Hi everyone, Liz here again from the Damsels Podcast. In today's episode, we touch on some really sensitive topics including rape, domestic abuse, and other forms of sexual assault. So we encourage you to find an environment you feel comfortable in to listen to this if you're sensitive to those topics. Proceed with caution. Uh, While we don't get into super graphic detail, we recognize that these subjects can be triggering to some people, so listener discretion is advised. Thank you. One last bit of housekeeping before we dive into today's episode. We appreciate everyone listening so far and giving us feedback on the podcast. We are all brand new to this, so we're definitely taking advice to heart. One of the biggest pieces of feedback that we've gotten so far is that we don't really have a set intro or outro for this show. Trust me when I say that we're working on it, we promise. Many of these episodes are actually being pre-recorded pretty long in advance, so oftentimes it's actually before we've gotten any feedback at all. We appreciate everyone listening, and we hope you have some patience and bear with us so that we can create the absolute best content possible to get out to you guys. Without further ado, here is the second part of our episode on Outlander with myself, Allie, and Christine. I think about it now, and I'm just like, when I was 20, or when I was 18, like, I demanded so much respect, and now I'm just like down like i'm just also when it comes to old age too one of my coworkers, she'll be like well how old is this person and i'm like i don't know they have gray hair what else do you need to know <laughs> and i'm saying this to a woman with gray hair so <laughs> oh my god okay one of the big factors kind of about claire is her relationship with the men in her life and i think that comparing and contrasting these relationships is super important in the context of the show because in the show there is definitely a a departure from the books clearly as we've talked about already with frank he is depicted as this man who like he's super damaged by what Claire quote unquote did to him. Again, you know, it's she was just reacting to the situation that she was in. She really didn't have the power, not necessarily to say no, but she didn't have the power to or the understanding of her situation and how that situation would change. You know, clearly if she had known that she was going to go back into the future eventually, I'm sure that she would have been like, okay, I'm not getting married or I'm not consummating this marriage or even if I am consummating this marriage just to keep myself safe I'm not going to continually fall in love and have sex with a person and I think there's I mean she wears both wedding rings she does Mm -hmm. so it's not that she's throwing one life out she's trying to keep it in mind she's trying to remember that life she had and like you said she doesn't know that she's you know gonna go back and when she goes back and she's one pregnant which they thought she couldn't get pregnant right so there's the first like you know, didn't have protection, didn't, you know, protection in the 1700s, didn't consider it because I can't get pregnant. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just not something that's happening. I wonder if she had the the, um, outdated mindset of like, if a couple can't get pregnant, it's the woman's fault. And obviously, in not the that show, it's anyone's Frank fault, admits but... that he's sterile. Well, I think he figures it out because they, they couldn't have out. kids. And then Claire's away with another man for three years and she comes back pregnant and it turns out that's actually her second pregnancy. And he's like, oh, I guess I guess the problem was my anatomy all along. Yeah. Yeah, See, he figures it out before she comes back in the show Mm -mm. because he's actually talking to the reverend about 
his when the reverend adopted roger and like how they tried to have a child and he like he literally said like he literally says like i'm sterile Mm. so he comes to that realization before she even comes back and realizes that she's a child i think there's a lot of resentment there clearly obviously he resents her as much as he doesn't want to say it that she had a child with not just one but two children basically with another man as much as you know as it sucks that her first child Mm -hmm. you know didn't make it she still was able to get pregnant by another man and i think that even though he knows that he's sterile that's still it's like the ownership factor to him where he's just like someone was able to like successfully plow my own field like and i was not and it's i don't want to say i understand he was answered for it but like i can see his logic chain there if he decided to leave Mm -hmm. i can see where that marriage would be broken i Mm -hmm. guess i would say like you know i can see i'm not saying that it's an excuse i'm saying i can see how he couldn't get past it but he stays like that is that is a a in the end that's a choice for both of them she said if you'll you know they decided to stay married and have this child and and him knowing and how much of that is him now getting to have a child so to speak who they're not really going to say hey it's not actually you know mine it's he's still raising a child but now he realized he can't that's the perfect description of the entire plot of the show is one thing just over again one thing that's interesting about frank too is because claire like she her parents died when she was five she's raised by an uncle she doesn't really seem to she doesn't have that same like connection to her ancestors, whereas it's not like the traditional family picture and, that you would normally imagine, right. like the atomic yeah. family from back then. Yeah. And Frank has this, I mean, shit, he's like literally in Scotland to track an ancestor of his from 200 yeah. years ago. Yes. This is so important to him. And for him not to be able to pass on those genetics must have point. been a real gut punch for him. That yeah, that is that is such a point. Yeah, that phrase traditional families. It doesn't really have any meaning anymore mm-hmm. because, like, no family is super traditional. When you look at what that relationship could have potentially been like in today's world, I I don't think they would have stayed together. They definitely would have gotten divorced right. because it's like there's so much more encouragement now for women and and relationships that they're not happy in and men as well i assume i'm not a man so i'm never encouraged as a man to leave a relationship i'm not happy in but i would hope that they're encouraged to make the choices that make them happy but in that relationship if it were happening nowadays i think that they would have understood like there's a difference between having a traditional family aspect and having an actual family aspect Mm -hmm. i've always been taught by one parent that the family is you know, your blood and uh, blood is thicker than water, etc. Whereas coming out of, you know, a tragedy and understanding that the full quote is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. To me, that that is what hits the nail on the head that it's like the family that you find as traditional or the family that is traditional in your life. That's the family that you've lived with. That's the family that has been created by your circumstance. And so I think that that's not something that they value back then. I think that they value that traditional family, the atomic family or mm-hmm. 2.5 children with the white picket fence, <laughs> and mother and father. It's just not a question. It's mom, dad, child. And that is their idea. And I think that because Frank was raised with those values, um, Claire as well, to an extent, 
not necessarily that she experienced them, but she almost because she didn't experience Mm -hmm. them, it was something that she maybe thought was what she was supposed to want. And that was still the norm, even if she didn't experience it directly, like everyone right. else did. Yeah. Much. I don't think Claire is the kind of person who, or the Claire's the kind of character who would just want something because she thought that that was what she was supposed to want. And in the very, like the very first episode, the very first minutes of the show, she literally is talking about this vase and how she's never bought a vase because She's never had a home to like put a vase in. Mm -hmm. And it's not said with any sort of longing. It's said with a like almost a curiosity of like, okay, well, that would just be another adventure. Like, I think she is such an adventurer spirit. Mm -hmm. She's not the person to just be resigned to the traditional family. And I think that's one thing that adds a lot of value to her relationships with Frank and with Jamie. And I think it's because as complicated as her relationship with Frank was, as much as the love romantically died over, you know, over the course of the events that happened, I think that she still was his partner. They were still partners. They still had decided to to take this journey together. Even though she wasn't inherently happy with him, she was not resigned to the situation. Like, yeah. she was accepting of the situation for what it was. Her relationship with Jamie, though, is a whole other story. <laughs> I, I have personal beliefs that her relationship with Jamie was different than her relationship with Frank. Not only because of again, the time, like, mm-hmm. but... Jimmy was younger, pretty impressionable. Right. Still, that's how they kind of present him. What's as their age difference? I think he's like, what, 23? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so not, not, like not huge, a lot, but enough. But in your 20s, I feel like even now, even just a couple of years can make a big difference. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so crazy. And, and at this point, she's, you know, she's been married. She's been in the future. Yeah. I think he was just such an open book to whatever she could teach or explain or, or whatnot that he was just kind of I don't want to say like supportive he was it, but it wasn't like he was in the background like cheering her on but he was just like and this is my wife and this is what she does and this is what I've learned he we're like rolls, with, you know he rolls with everything like oh does. this is what we're doing that's now. a great yeah. way to say it yeah and so I think her relationship their relationship developed a deeper level because Frank as much as he was you know he married a, a a woman who became a combat nurse and this kind of thing there was still a certain tradition like you said like the atomic yes. family unit that he was looking for and there's even parts where he was like what are you doing and she's like this is medicine or and he's like ah kind of thing also they'd spent like six years apart minus two like quick meetups so yeah they also missed yeah. out on so much crucial development yeah time which is together. why they went to scotland was to have that like second yeah. honeymoon to, right. like, try to reconnect yeah. but i think jamie was just so like oh look at all the things you can teach me look at the things i can teach you and so they built this relationship based so on fluid just, yeah this mutual understanding and 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 trust and their ability to just kind of like you said just go with it they just move together very fluidly and it is what it is and sometimes we're on the road and sometimes you know i'm sometimes he adopts random children sometimes he adopts Some, random children multiple times like, hey. he adopts random children yeah, i think my favorite and so i think that's why her relationship with jamie is deeper is that they just had this mutual support and understanding that neither was better than the other maybe or neither put the other in a box mm-hmm. and they were who they were as people where i think with frank there were boxes that 
through society or even between them, boxes had been constructed. They were pre-built. Yeah. Like I think yeah. that I think Frank fell in love with two different things. I think he fell in love with Claire as a person, and then he fell in love with the idea of this traditional family unit. Yes. And it was too late when he realized that those two things did not fit, did not together. fit together. Once Claire goes missing and then comes back and she's pregnant, I think all of these things, it's like he could have accepted one or two divergence from the path that he had built for himself. But I think when the road started forking in 400 different directions of like, okay, now she has a child with another man. This other man is also in dead for 200 years and is in the past. And she was in the in the past also at one point. And she also is doesn't want this particular family tradition. Like, I think that once all of those forks started it just became too much for him. And I yeah, think that mm-hmm. he's that, not as flexible as Jamie. No, absolutely Jamie not. not. One thing that it still cracks me up whenever I read the books, and I'll tell Craig about this too, I'm like, Craig, so- our recorder, or Craig, your husband. <laughs> Hubs. <laughs> okay. But um, I'll be like, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Jamie has like two living biological children that he does not get to raise on his own. Mm-hmm. But then he just ends up adopting and raising literally everyone else's children. It's Hacks me mm-hmm. up. Like, I think that that's such a good, like, that's one reason why I love this series is that it takes all of the gender norms and just fucking reverse flips it, reverses it, whatever. Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It Missy Elliott's all gender norms mm-hmm. because what figures like would we normally expect to just take on all these children? Like, maternal figures. Yeah. That's what we have always been built in. Like, Jamie has very maternal aspects to him as a character mm-hmm. and when i say maternal like i'm talking about like these nurturing aspects that you would normally see in a mother figure versus mm-hmm. a father figure and his relationships even with other men you see that nurturing aspect of him brought out like he's been clearly taught to value his life and to value mm-hmm. other people's lives too and like his his relationship with lord john is probably one of my favorite <laughs> like how I don't know how Lord John is depicted in the books. I do know there's a whole nother series about him, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to read that because I actually really do like Lord John. I fucking love him, man. I, every time I see him like on the screen, how is he so good and pure? We don't deserve Lord John like at <laughs> all. When he almost died, when he got super sick. Okay, first of all, that whole scene where Claire is just basically like, I'm jealous of you because you got all this time with Jamie. And he's just like, yeah, you're jealous of me because I got all this time with Jamie. You can't do anything about that. Like, you can't change that. He's not afraid to, like, stand up to her sort of logical fallacies that she tries Mm -hmm. to kind of pull, which, like... Again, these are almost like gender norms that are being reversed. Like, and we all know, like, clearly know that Lord John is not, I mean, he's not straight. He is. You want to hear a funny thing? Oh, God. It's a spoiler. Yes. Is it about Lord John? Yes. I want to hear it. He and Claire have sex. It's like one time, but they do it. Did you know that? I don't know if I knew that. Oh, wait. Farther down. What? Stop the clock. Hey, Lime. They is Jamie involved? No, they thought God he was it. they thought he was dead and Lord John married Claire because like it was kind of like a whole <laughs> thing. 
because they thought he was supposed to be on a ship. The ship sank. They never got word that, oh, they actually missed their ship, so they had to take a different ship. So they're like, oh my gosh, he's dead. How and many then- people is Lord John going to marry <laughs> Because he owes somebody something. He legitimately, he agrees to marry Brianna. He marries his yep. his wife's sister to yep. take care of Jamie's kid. Like, he then <laughs> goes to marry Brianna. Now he marries Claire. Holy fucking and shit. they got really drunk. And they they both were like. You can duty me. They were so like, <laughs> we both miss Jamie. And they were really drunk. And then they ended up having sex while both imagining oh, so they, they were they doing. Oh, the other one was Jamie? <laughs> they pretended the other was Jamie. Yeah, I am here for that. I oh my god, I'm okay if that gets cut. I just had to tell you. No, that is staying in. Keep it, leave it in. Just real quick, Diana Gabaldon, Gabaldon, Gobbledygook, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Lazy writing, rewriting the same fucking plot over and over again. But to be honest, the way that you're fucking doing it. I'm here for it. I don't give a shit. I really am excited. I want to read the books now, if only to see Lord John fucking have sex with every character in this fucking show. It's so great. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't fucking know that. Uh, well, no, I can't believe I didn't fucking know that because I read one book and watched the show barely. I was on my phone most of the time watching the last season, but... Not because it wasn't good, just because I'm kind of guilty of doing the same thing. Oh my I'm god! Trying to watch it. I think Avatar: The Last Airbender is like the only show that I haven't been tempted to look at my phone. While oh my watching. god! I want to still talk about that show so much. <laughs> I fucking love that show. I was on, so I've transitioned from fanfiction.net to archive of our own because I have read all of the Zutara fanfiction that I'm pretty sure is available on fanfiction.net, and now I've transitioned to archive of our own. So if you write Zutara fanfiction and it's on not on one of those two sites, just let me know where it's at. I'm probably going to fucking read it. <laughs> oh, my God. So I still kind of low-key want to read your fanfic. Oh, girl. It's embarrassing. I actually stopped half, like, I stopped at the, the eighth chapter because I was, like, on chapter eight. And I'm having major writer's block and I don't know where to go with it from here. I'm just trying to get over one scene. I'm trying to write a post-apocalyptic book in Wisconsin. Do it. I actually already have like several pages. Like right now on the podcast, (laughs) write it. I have the notebook in my bag actually. Fuck yes! Oh my god, you always come prepared. (laughs) Okay, I have to pee. So what have we not talked about yet? So we've done her progressive There's ideas. So much material to cover. I know. I was like, Damn. I know. I actually like. I'm really mad that I only have one page of notes here because I'm like, I didn't realize I was going to talk so much about like, all this other shit. Now that we're talking and more and more is coming to my memory, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's so much. That that's happens. why. That's see. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why. Like, there's. I haven't put a whole lot of structure, and I need to be better about that. And I've I've actually talked to um Keith. Ponywas, who's one of the guys who does the Forward Backward podcast. Shout out to Keith. I don't ever say your last name right, but fuck it. He actually, like, told me, you know, like, make sure you come up with an outline for your shows, because, like, then it kind of helps you lead the, the conversation in the right direction. It's a good way to start. Yeah. And, like, to phrase mm-hmm. back to if we have a uh moment, but yeah. otherwise I think it's good to, like, let that organic, like... Right. You need to come... You need to... Uh, um, balance of the two things. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one we're jumping around so much, but I honestly feel like it's just because like there's an aspect of Claire that it's like 
okay, we want to talk about it in this context, but now we want to talk about it in this context or in this situation. And I could, like, I know this is about women, but I love talking about Jamie, too. I want to, we, we are going to talk about Jamie in a minute. Yeah. I'm going to go pee so and then we'll like, talk about Jamie. So this is life now. Yep. Every time yep. something happens. Every time you're like, huh, <laughs> guess I'll just go. <laughs> or not die. I'm going to run up my wife marry Lord John. <laughs> I need a PB&J while driving here. Yeah. <laughs> I like literally did not eat anything yet this morning. Okay. I my breakfast was supposed to be what I was supposed to eat last night, which was their special. It's like the shrimp linguini stuff, and it looks amazing. Or not shrimp, it's salmon linguini. So okay, so as Ali said, we are a podcast that typically talks about women or characters that identify as women. But I want to talk a little bit about some of the non-female characters on the show. Again, the show just Missy Elliott's all gender norms, like gender roles. You can't really talk about Claire and the context of Claire without like honestly talking about Jamie as well and like his progressive idea, like his progressive mindset. You know, obviously beating your wife because your armed militia told you to <laughs> is not a super progressive idea, but He's very progressive in other ways. Clearly in the bedroom, he's progressive because he's not just the dominant one. In fact, it could kind of be argued that he's not as dominant as Claire even is. He also has a lot of kind of perspective about the time that he's in. And that's pretty clear when he's talking to Claire about shit that she's fucking up because she's from the future. He's just basically like he's always treated her like an, an outsider and not in a bad way. He's always treated her as an outsider in the context of I know that you're not from here. So let me help you not you're not from here. You don't belong. And that to me is really actually a touching part of his character is that he's always been a steady hand to guide her when she needs somebody to be that, especially considering she can be really hot headed. And the one scene in particular that I think of is when she's going to see the baby in the forest and is trying to help it. And he's like, I know you want to save this baby. I don't think that this is right either, but you have to understand if you save this child, who is probably not going to make it anyways, they could kill you mm -hmm. because of how intently they believe this stuff. Also, when you said, like, he treats her like an outsider, but in a gentle way, that ties into his nickname for her, Sassanac. Like, you're not mm -hmm. from here, but, right. like, I love you and I'm going to help you navigate this world. Right. And the fact that he, like, calls her that, he takes, like, a term that would normally be, like, kind of offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. uses it in a loving way and basically says, like, I don't care where you're from. Like, I love you anyways. And I know that you being a Sassanac makes things actually harder on you. So let me step in and kind of make things a little bit easier. I definitely appreciate that part of his character. I also appreciate his forward thinking about rape and sexual assault, particularly in the context of when she is almost assaulted when they are out in kind of the meadow or the, mm -hmm. the field. Yeah. And, you know, he obviously he's going to fight for her honor because he is her husband and he should, whether he's her husband or not. But he also is there for her through the trauma of that. And that is even more obvious and clear later on when he experiences that trauma himself. Yes. When she is eventually raped in North Carolina too, like he's, he just gets it right away and he's there for her. Mm -hmm. And when is she 
raped in North Carolina. I can't remember exactly what happened, but they're not happy with... There's one group of people, the Browns, they're just a bunch of... So Claire and Jamie, like, eventually just have their whole, like, little clan for a better... Yeah, like, they build, like, their community or whatever at Fraser yeah. Ridge. And, like, they don't like them. I can't remember why a group of them come and kidnap Claire. And then they just, like... I'll take turns raping her in the woods and it's super messed up. But then Jamie, Ian, and a few other guys come and actually kill them all. And then he has Claire look at every single body and every single face of the deceased because he knows that even if she doesn't want to look now, she's going to need that closure later to know like they can't hurt you anymore. They are dead. He's like, you need this. And he also, he took over killing them because he's like, you swore an oath to do no harm. You can't hurt them. However, as your husband and your protector, I will hurt them for you. I will take on your burden. And so he kills them all and has her look at their bodies. I think that his perspective and his thoughts and feelings towards sexual assault, especially in that time, it's like so forward thinking. Clearly, obviously, like, I mean, the books are written in 1990 something, but and 2020 something just to to show that character like I don't want to say oh that's historically inaccurate because like you never know if you know if a person could have had those feelings back then but I think that it's a very lovely depiction of a person who truly does care about somebody else cares for their safety cares for their well-being and understands that even before he's experienced it himself that this is like a violation of a person's most private part of them after he does experience it i think the depiction of trauma in the show is very well done to a point i think that they show the trauma that jamie has experienced through his actions through his you know thoughts and through how he kind of approaches situations even later when like lord john takes jamie's child on as his own and you know jamie is trying to offer payment to lord john in the form of his body because he knows that that is what lord john wants and i think that not that jamie inherently wants that himself because i think that at that point he's a little bit confused as to what he wants i think he sees that lord john is the kind of person who would take him in a way that expressed the love that he has for him instead of in a way that was violent and abhorrent mm -hmm. that he was taken before so i think that he's willing to kind of trade himself for a better experience but at the same time like i think he also is still trying to cope with this trauma that's still so like pretty fresh to him i mean it had only happened a few years prior to that and regardless of how long ago a trauma has happened to a person like they can still constantly relive it claire really she really comes into her own as his wife i think in that in that moment when she is basically telling him like i know you want to die i know you do not see a light at the end of the tunnel here mm -hmm. i know that there are just a million thoughts going through your head as to how sickening this is, how disgusting this is. You feel worthless. You feel awful. This is the worst feeling that you are ever going to feel. And I can't provide you comfort in that. So she looks at him as a person and says, what is the best way to pull him off of this cliff or to get him off of this cliff? Well, it's to fucking push him right over the edge. Yep. Like that, she identifies what he needs to fight through the trauma. Like when she puts the lavender on herself. Yes. 
she like understands he needs to see the trauma in its face fight it, fight it and be an active participant in fighting it he doesn't need somebody to coddle him or to walk him through it other people may need those things but she recognizes the way that he needs to cope with the trauma and ushers him through it. and i think that you like I, I had no idea that he he did that same thing for her in North Carolina. The the one place I think he gets it wrong is with Brianna. In the book, he I feel like he was very open about talking to her and being like I thought he handled it really well, but like what what are you thinking of? In the show, he goes off on a tirade basically about how they never told him about it. To me, oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. and that—that that to me, that. like that's—that really hits home for me because, like, I experienced a very similar thing when my father found out about my own experience, and it's like I didn't actually want to tell him. Like, I didn't ever want to actually share it with him, but I chose to share it because. I was weaponizing my trauma. I was taking my trauma and turning it into something that I thought would be productive, which to me it was. It Mm -hmm. helped me through it. But, like, I was blamed so much for causing them, like, causing my family such pain because I didn't tell them. But it's, like, it's not your trauma to... I think he was upset because, in a way, he was, like if anybody understood like I can be there for you I could have been so much and I'm hurt that you didn't think I had those things for you you can tell he wants to help yeah because he, he knows that he can yeah like, I don't I think he was like you would you should know my reaction to this you should know how I would be there you should know the experiences you right. know or, or understand that I would have been I think he views himself as a resource for lack of better term and unfortunately he's not viewing it as a trauma that is hers to tell that is kind of where claire is stuck between a rock and a hard place because it's not claire's position to tell him what happened to brianna but it's also not her position to tell brianna what happened to him so it's like brianna's operating without the information that this same thing happened with her father like this brutal horrible thing happened to her father he is probably one of the best people for her to go to with the information. But she doesn't know that. And Claire can't just tell her that. I'm sure that Claire knows that. But she also, and that's a huge accolade to Claire, I think, is she recognizes that it's not even her place to try to usher them in the right direction. Like, she knows Mm -hmm. that they need to figure this out on their own. They need to work through their trauma on their own. And she knows that she can't try to guilt Jamie into telling Brianna about what happened to him. And she can't try to guilt Brianna into telling Jamie about what happened to her, even though she knows that it's probably a helpful thing. And eventually, when they do talk about it together, it's a productive and helpful conversation. I think it helps bring Brianna and Jamie much closer together. But Claire recognizes that these are not the things that she experienced, like things that she experienced personally. It is not her place to share those things or to make them feel like they're obligated to share those things. I think that it was an excellent job showing just how complicated and like nuanced these situations are and how people choose to do with their trauma what they think is the best Mm -hmm. thing for them what other men do we like in the show one character actually before we talk about young ian that i want to touch on murta i was gonna i was gonna Um, hit jenny 
Oh, did they, see, did they and, show much about Jenny? Oh God, yeah. They. Yeah, I, I love thought. Jenny. Yeah, I yeah. fucking love Jenny. I liked her better in the books. I feel like she mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. a little sharper and almost ruder in the in the show. She was. She was. Was she, she was, just like gentler in the books, or oh, li- not by much, but just enough where I liked her better in the books. So it was I, very subtle. I think. Yeah, there's something Jamie or um Je- Jenny, who is Jamie's sister, when he comes back home with his wife the last time at least yeah the last time that he saw her she was being taken away by black Black jack Jack randall and he comes in and she is pregnant and his first assumption was um, that's randall's bastard that's randall's bastard child and how could you and how could you essentially go through with this and and then she names her son jamie Uh and he's like how could you name randall's bastard after me after like what happened yeah and Oh yeah, because she he saw her pregnant and saw a little kid, found yes. out it was hers, and yes. he and then later like and this was portrayed differently in the show, but when Black Jack Randall took her upstairs in the book, he like couldn't keep it up, and she realized like she laughed at him. She yeah. started to point it out. That happens in the show. I think it was a yeah. little. They more pointed out the fact that, that he only gets off if a woman is struggling and screaming, oh, and because she didn't do that, do that. he couldn't keep it up. But she like she mocked him essentially. In see, to, I love both of those. I love yeah, both. Yeah, she of essentially those ideas. mocked him, and so he he got frustrated. You know, couldn't keep his erection, and and it didn't happen. I I loved that that entrance of him, that entrance of of Jamie being so upset about everything, and she was like, "You've lost your mind if I think if you think I let a man do this to me." Right. That like part, if, it makes me so mad that Jamie didn't stop to ask questions but i guess that's where we get to that like that red-headed temper in the show i actually really love her as a character in the show like i think she's so strong and she's so she's a little bit stuck in her ways but again that's just a part of her as a character and she is basically just like i know i am a boss and I'm, I'm going to be the boss of this house mm-hmm. if I need to be. She has seen horrible tragedy happen. I mean, she's had her brother taken away from her. Her husband has been mm-hmm. taken away from she her multiple times. She lost another brother, too. She lo- okay. Yeah, she lost another brother. She lost her father. And, and her mom. It, and her mother, yeah. So, I mean, she's gone through unspeakable tragedy. And look at the family and the life that she has built. Mm-hmm. She has taken every single one of those tragedies and has turned them into a seed and planted them and nurtured them and just grown beautiful things out of out of the wake of the awful things that has happened. And not only does she do that, but she also recognizes that she's done that. Like she recognizes her own accomplishments as a woman, which is such a, a good character trait for women to have because we're always taught that like, you know, if someone compliments you or says that you did a good job, it's like, oh, it was nothing. Like, no, bitch, you put effort mm-hmm. in. Like you did the thing. You made it happen. You made it work. Take ownership of it. Don't be afraid to say, yes, I did do a good job. Like, thank you. Yeah. Like, a simple thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. I we, know. We've got that, like, Midwestern, like, oh, it was, it's fine. It's nothing. It's nothing. It was no, no trouble. Oh, so Ooh. for you. When she, when Jamie and, and Ian get taken, she, go, or not, was it Jamie and Ian, her husband? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Ian comes back. When they get taken and she's just like, well, now we're going to go find my brother. She's like, I literally just dropped a kid like yep. out of my body. Yep. 
20 minutes ago or an hour ago or whatever. And I'm like, I'm breastfeeding still. Also imagine how sore she must have been. Oh like, my God. Yeah. yeah. And like, especially how difficult that birth was. Yeah. Too. Cause wasn't the baby breech? Yeah. The yes, baby was breech. Yeah. And so, but then she's just like, I'm going to put my ass on a horse. And I'm going to fix my fucking family because I, I know. Just yep. <laughs> but yeah, She's kind of like Jamie in that way. Like, oh, I guess this is what we're doing now. Can yeah. we just take a moment of silence for Jenny's vagina? Because <laughs> I feel <laughs> awful for her. I just I love that she I'm sure there's a, a time. Um, I can't imagine that she's been like this her whole life. Um, that there was a time where she mourned and she struggled and maybe let herself be weak. And then she was like, not going to work. Not going to work That's here. That's not me. Also, like, it's the 1700s. What else are you going to do? Just lay down and die? Like, that's really yes, just for, some, for some women in that position, that's what they would have done. Yeah. Because there was nothing else. Like, now I have to go find a man to make my life put together. And so I can be a, a wife. And what like I've Lahiri been... or Leary. Yes. Yes. That's what you do. You find a man. Leary is not a strong. Oh, God. Nope. Oh, God. We'll get to her. And her instead, in she, that. you know, was like, this is who I am. This is how I run my house. This is what I do. This is how we're going to do it. One thing about Jenny and Ian's relationship, too, is that I have never seen her act towards him out of pity. Like, obviously, he is disabled. He has one leg. Mm -hmm. He struggles sometimes. And mm -hmm. he is kind of painted as a little bit of a softer character. Absolutely. But she is never soft on him. Mm -hmm. She never makes him feel pitiful mm -hmm. or like worth any less she sees him as a partner she sees him as an equal she treats him that way she bosses him around sometimes mm -hmm. yes but not because she's you're worthless and you're not going to get anything done but she's just like she just gets there first like she gets to the to the action first and if she needs him to do something and she knows it before he gets there she just she just tells him she doesn't wait for him and they're a very balanced couple in that yeah like one of my yeah. one of my favorite scenes in the book is where when Jamie comes home and Claire waits outside, like in the front room kind of area. Oh, yeah. And starts hearing this argument between Jenny and Jamie. And uh -huh. Ian comes in and he's like, oh, Jamie must be home. Like, yeah. He's just like, hi, I, you know, I'm Ian. You must be whatever. And, and he's just so like, well, God, I love like, Ian. And they're he's... just like screaming at each other. And he's like, well, that's just what it is. This is who she is. what it is. I think it's funny how Ian also like, there's this kind of saying like you marry someone who, I don't know, like I've noticed like sometimes you marry someone who's very similar to like your best friend. Like Craig and Sabrina have a lot of uncanny similarities that we've been realizing more and more. But like Ian did the same thing. He's like, Jamie's my best friend. I'll just marry someone who's basically a female version of him. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, oh, this is my life now, too. Well, and Jamie almost did the same thing with Claire. Like, Claire is so, so much like Jenny in so many ways. Like, she is that strong woman who is not going to take shit from anybody. And she doesn't care if she got to the idea first. She's not going to wait on any man yeah. to come up with something that she's already come up with. And I think that that similarity between her and Jenny is definitely noted really well, especially in the show. In stark, 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 stark contrast to that is Leary. Ugh. Oh, Leary. I... Ugh. Can we also appreciate Marsali in the... Or is that... Marcella. Is that it? Marcella? I Yes. Oh, I always called her Marsali. Is that how it's spelled? Yeah, it starts. With, it ends with an I. I I'm pretty sure they call her Marcella in the show. 
Okay, anyway. But can, anyway. We, can we just appreciate how amazing she is, especially considering the person who raised her? Again, Leary is a character who is flawed. <laughs> but I think that she saw the weaknesses in her mother, and she saw that the world that they live in was not attuned to those weaknesses. And she said, not for me. Like, I, see, I think that she just literally somehow she saw it, it's almost like Claire was like a looming shadow over her life for so long because her mother was this I want to say <laughs> bitter is a great word I was gonna go with pathetic but I also am not trying those to like those are both good words for her. yeah and like I almost want to say that Leary is one of those characters that like I would love to do a did her dirty episode on because I just feel like it's poor writing I think that the writing was intended to be bad for Leary like I think that she mm -hmm. was intended to be this sad pathetic character but I also think that it's like there was so many other choices that could have been made about Leary, like in creating that character and, you know, to kind of be this foil or this rival to Claire. Because to me, what doesn't make sense is that I think Murtaugh puts it very well in the show when Claire expresses concern about Leary to Murtaugh. He's like, Leary is a girl. She'll always be a girl. Jamie yes. needs a woman. Yes. Yeah. So there is one thing that occurs in the show that was just seemed very wrong in the books when so claire and jamie they get back together and then she finds out he's married to leary and she's like like that woman tried to kill me what are you doing and jamie's like wait what and she's like yeah she's the reason why that i was with gillis when they came to take her to the witch trials like i almost was killed because of her and he's like oh my god like i had no idea i never would have married her and then in the show, they just brush past it like, oh, LOL, she tried to kill you and whatever. He's probably just yeah. thinking like, I mean, I've tried to kill you too, I guess, <laughs> at certain points. Like, Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to say that it's bad choices or bad writing. I always want to be the optimist. But I don't think it's bad writing. I think that they, you had to create that character that we needed a character to hate because we have so many characters. Yeah, yeah but you also you needed a character. You look at the comparison and you look like when they say like, Leary is a girl, she'll always be a girl. I think that you can see that to some degree there's been attraction between Jamie and Leary. Oh, yeah. But he hasn't... He, it was like a little crush. Yeah, it was like, we have, but like, it's not developing. Like, nothing's going, there's nothing in her other than her outward, outward appearance right? that is attracting him there. Yeah. And so he's never been like, I would love to marry her. Because he could, if he wanted to, and that somehow he could say, we're it, you know, and people would be thrilled because he's, you know, like, coming up in, in Castle Lake and has all these connections that he's building, and he's a great line, and da-da-da-da-da. And that's going to be my new thing. Da -da 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 -da. Da -da -da -da. Welcome oh. to damsels. Da -da -da -da. But <laughs> instead, he he doesn't really bulk when they ask him to marry Claire. Yeah. He sees more there. He sees more depth. He sees a stronger woman. And I don't know if they mentioned this in the show, but in the book, Jamie's like, yeah, like somebody hurt her bad. Like she was so hesitant and fearful in the bedroom. And he like reflects on that. And like somebody did her dirty. Somebody like was being horrible to her and she's faced a lot of trauma because of that they did touch on that a little bit in the show they do like talk about how she's always been kind of like a mouse and is always very kind of shied away which i think is again it's kind of a stark contrast to the character that she was before mm -hmm. she got married because if you look at who she was before like 
she's this woman who literally goes out of spite testify against another woman mm-hmm. like in order to like death charm or whatever yeah, yeah like the the ill wish i think yeah. that also shows though how sometimes if somebody's trapped in an abusive relationship it just tears away at their soul and their person right yes. it because, breaks you down because leary got broken down like she was a that same character nowadays probably would have had a lot more opportunity for growth and like she had a lot of you know spirit she yeah, she's trying to get someone killed, but, you know, she's, like, feisty. She's – She is for <laughs> sure. I think that, like – so I think in the beginning she was definitely a fighter. And I think she just, by the end of what we see in her, she is just exhausted. And she just wants to get her lot in life now. Like, mm-hmm. she is resigned to the – that this is going to be the way life is. While the character choice fits – at that point, like where she's, you know, trying to make sure that she gets her alimony from Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we've seen Leary pine after Jamie. It's old now. Like, yeah. can we learn a little bit more about her character? As much as I don't like her just because she was made for us to not like, I would love to learn more about her. And like, like you said, Ali, her relationship and like what happened to her mm-hmm. to make her so cynical? Was it something that happened long before she and Jamie, like before Claire even came back in time? Like probably like maybe in her first marriage. Yeah. Also, I do know that like in the books at one point, I think Marcelli is talking about her mom like yeah she wasn't perfect but like there were some good things and i feel like she reflects on some good things too so it shows like yeah like oh they as clearly much as we love hear, their mom like, as much as we hate Leary, like she was still like did her best to be a loving mother but she was obviously like in a really really bad relationship and we she just- was in a bad place overall mm-hmm. and i think that like while that did reflect a little bit in her upbringing of her children she was really just trying to protect them from the things that she experienced like it was never done with like a malicious intent or any sort of way to like make her children see the world the way that she saw it she just knew the world was a certain way and had been a certain way to her and she knew that there were other women in the world that like yes they did have successful things but she thought that the risk outweighed the reward of trying to go for those things and that's Mm -hmm. why she raised her her daughters the way that she did was because she wanted to make sure that they didn't risk and then not get the reward how do we feel about Myrta Fitzgibbons so he died earlier in the books, I think, than in the show. So I, really, yeah, he died at Culloden. What? Yeah, yes. they. I hate that. Yeah. I think they just didn't want to keep bringing because, like, there are other characters that he like takes their place basically, and so maybe instead of finding new actors and introducing new people, they're like, we're just going to keep the same dude. I love him in the show. That makes me disappointed. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love him in the show, and when he does actually die. I viscerally cried. I felt like I was losing a piece of myself. I remember when watching Game of Thrones, when I'm going to say, if you have not seen Game of Thrones, at least up to the point that I'm about to talk about, what have you been doing with your life? You you should know by now that Jon Snow dies. My reaction to that was literally an actual scream from the core of myself screamed in the living room at my parents' house. And I swore that I was never going to fucking watch the show again. And then obviously, of course, they bring him back the very next episode. But I felt the same way when Merton died. Like, I was like, I'm done. I'm closing the chapter on on Outlander in my life. Fuck this show. Fuck this book. And now, like, now that I know that he died a lot earlier, it's like, I'm so attached to him already. Like he's 
he's one of the first people that they choose to share their secret with, you know, about Claire being from the future. Mm -hmm. He's so understanding. He's so astute. He has such an impact on Jamie in the long term. Mm -hmm. I guess it makes sense to me that he died earlier in the book because the fact that they somehow managed to end up in the same place, even in America, because in the show, he's actually like there in America and they just oh, happen to stumble yeah. upon him like he's a blacksmith. Wait. Yeah, it's it's Hilarious. and it's yeah. not even it's not even Jamie, it's young Ian that stumbles upon him and young Ian doesn't know who he is. So he goes into the blacksmith to try or is it I guess it's the blacksmith. I don't know anything about any sort of craftsmanship. So if I'm wrong, sorry. My dad does blacksmith work. Your dad is a treasure in this world <laughs> he's so good and pure from everything that you've ever told me about him except his redhead temper <laughs> but young Ian goes into the blacksmith because he has to get the bit for the horse fixed um, before they can leave and go back to Fraser's Ridge and he goes in and the blacksmith's like I'm done for the day um, but I'll do it for this exorbitant price which I don't know if they were using pence or dollars or Yen. I, <laughs> it's not relevant. Yeah. Yen. <laughs> so Jamie comes back and like Ian has the bit fixed and um it sucks because I had to pay this much for it. And Jamie's like, what the fuck? We're going. He like pulls a full Karen. He goes to the blacksmith and he's like, can I please see your manager? Because you cannot charge this much for this. And it's this very dramatic and, like, emotional thing where, like, Murtaugh's hair is all white because he's old. (laughs) And he turns around and, like, it's, like, almost like the anime sparkles were happening (laughs) because he, like, recognizes Jamie's voice and he's, like, says something. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember, like, his face and then Jamie's face and then they hug and Jamie's like almost crying and Murtaugh's like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, I can't fucking believe this either. <laughs> Wasn't he just like somewhere else? Didn't they leave him? Why is he here? I don't know. I was, I'm here for it. I don't give a fuck. I'll dare use Ex Machina the fuck out of something. Like, I don't care. I, I love Murtaugh. I feel like I need to like keep watching the show now just to find that that moment. It's such a, be- it's so pure and perfect. But in the show, he really is. I mean, and in the show, too, and I don't know if this is, I'm sure that this is not, well, no, because this happened before Culloden. In the show, one of my favorite Murtaugh moments is when he swears to Mary that he will lay reve- he will lay vengeance at her feet. And then they go they, to the Duke of Sandringham. He tears his fucking head off <laughs> yes. and he lays the head at her feet. And just bows to her and is like, Mm -hmm. this is the man who was responsible for this awful, heinous thing that has happened to you. I promised you a long time ago that I would lay vengeance at your feet. I don't know you. I don't care about you that much. Like, you're not that close to me. But you are a woman who was wronged in a horrible way in this world. And I swore an oath to you. And then he follows through on that oath. And it's such a beautiful moment to me. I'm just like... "Hmm." At the same time, I'm like... Okay, so, like, imagine you've got this uncle just through your whole life. They're just, like, kind of there as uncles tend to be. And then, like, you get raped. And then he's like, oh, now you're not a virgin. But then you're, like, living with him. And you think everything's normal. And then literally you just find out, like, oh, yeah, he's the reason why you're raped. And then his head's ripped off. Like, 
I'm like, this is a very interesting. That's a roller coaster. <laughs> like, that's a huge roller coaster. I don't know. I don't know how she handled it. I think Mary's a badass character too. Like, yes. she's very downplayed in the show. Like, there's not a whole lot of her in the show. I feel um, like even in the book, she just kind of pops up here and there, and then she is very dedicated to um her husband. Yeah, Jack's brother. Yeah, and they show okay. a lot more of that in the book. Like I was wondering if she actually ma- like if that was the oh, same storyline in the show that, that yeah. goes on for like months. That Claire's checking in on them and they're together. And the fact that the major story plot in of her on the show is this idea that she's boiled down to just her virtue. It's mm-hmm. like now she's at a point where that virtue has been taken from her. So. When Another we... reason why purity culture is so toxic. Oh my god, Oof. purity culture is not even... But now she's like, she's found a man who she loves. He loves her back. She's laying it on the line for him. She would die for him. She would do anything for him. She has that burning passion. I could argue the same passion that Jamie and Claire have for each other. And she's never able to give him the things that she wants so desperately to give him. Because, I mean, he dies before she's able to. But the fact that she is willing to marry Randall, especially after, I'm pretty sure Claire describes what a horrible man he is to her. I feel like she, I don't think she did because she didn't want to like. Oh, taint like her. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was just like they had this awkward cordial thing where they would both come and go from there. And it was just so tense and cold, but they did not, neither one of them wanted to bring this up in front of mary and i feel so bad i can't remember the kid's name the one who dies neither can i but okay johnny was it johnny randall Uh, we'll just call him black maybe blackjack's baby brother i don't know (laughs) bbbj yeah (laughs) no bj bj bb blackjack's baby brother yeah bj bb bj he's bj but like they didn't Blackjack, he's the older brother. He's so protective of his baby brother. And Claire doesn't want to, like, hurt him or little Mary. Because to both of them, they're like these, these little... These are innocents. They feel... They both, they hate each other. But they feel so protective of these two that they will not, like, let that tension carry over. And so they never bring it up. Gotcha. That makes sense. I Like, I'm not remembering that part of the show correctly. But Claire has to make sure that this marriage happens because if not, Frank is never born. And like that, she's like trying to protect Frank still. Obviously, again, she still clearly cares about him. Even if I didn't really care that much about someone, I'd still be pretty disturbed over the fact that something I could do could make them never exist. Like yeah. that's just a disturbing and then, thought. And by that line, does that, you know, if Frank didn't exist, would her line, like would her storyline have even yeah. occurred because she went to Scotland with Frank? Also, right. like, it's the whole butterfly effect. Like, who yep. knows what else could change? Exactly. Or, and it it could even just be one of those, like, fate things where everything just happens in a different way. Kind of like that's so Raven whenever she tries to change something and then it just happens anyway. I forgot about what the plot of that so Raven was. <laughs> and I'm so glad you reminded me because I just remember how much I freaking loved that show. And I was like, was it time travel? Like, what was it? And I've just been seeing to even Google it. Yeah, every every single episode, she's like, I had a, I saw the future. Oh, this is yeah, going to happen. We yep. have to keep it from happening. Okay. And literally every episode, they... It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's one thing, too, about... Claire and Frank and kind of their dynamic, especially in the show. First of all, the choice to have the same actor play Frank 
and play blackjack. blackjack. That is such a bold and such a purposeful choice. And it's like, I understand that they're brothers and that like, I mean, you could have had anybody that kind of looks. Wait, were they? I thought it was I mean, not. Guy. I mean, not brothers. Sorry. They're relatives. They're yeah. distant. Not. I no, mean. Direct line. What are they? Yes. Grandpa? Grandpa second? They are the same person. So the actor is the okay. same person. The characters are distant relatives. Yes. That is what I was trying to say. That like really threw me <laughs> They're off. They're like ancestors. Yeah. yeah. Like, no. Did you know that the guy who plays, I'm pretty sure it is the guy who plays Black Jake Randall. I think his brother plays Voldemort. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it's J- something Fiennes. Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes and somebody Fiennes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lord Voldemort's brother. Just let that sink in. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I just personally think that that was such a good choice. It really sort of made Claire's struggle with what happened to her, what happened to Jamie and everything. Like such a, it's, she carries it with her yep. every single day that she's staying married to Frank. And like as much of a struggle as it was for Frank to stay in that marriage, it was just as much of a struggle for Claire. And I actually, I saw this article not article. It was on Live Journal, which I don't think even exists anymore. But there was this discussion on Live Journal basically about the relationship of Claire and Frank and their marriage. And somebody was like, yeah, they are 100% Catholic to the bone because they are staying together in an unhappy marriage. They don't <laughs> can't like they are they are literally just gonna grin and bear it like that is the catholic motto grin and bear it i i'm not trying to boil it just down to a straight religion just to kind of give some narrative context my mom was catholic my dad was baptist they stayed together they did not like each other very much in the end Mm -hmm. it was very much a marriage of convenience kind of thing when it started they did love each other over time obviously but you know, in the end, like they they didn't really want to be together that much. They didn't love each other the same way they used to. And it's like, oh, don't don't awe it. It's fine. Sorry. This is but so many things that happen. I'm just getting really personal on this episode, guys. I'm just letting it all out there. And that is kind of like where I want to go a little bit off. <laughs> we really haven't talked about women all the time <laughs> this whole time, anyways. But I want to kind of touch on one last aspect of the show um and the books and that's kind of the idea of race and especially like with native people and indigenous people in america and the relationship that they show kind of in the later seasons of the show claire definitely becomes a little bit problematic to me uh she's very much depicted as like kind of a white savior character in the show she goes to their aunt jacasta's um plantation in is it it's georgia right it's in georgia virginia virginia oh maybe it is virginia it's in or it's one of in the carolinas the, it's I- in the south it's in <laughs> it's in the one of the 13 states i'm saying with quotation marks um that decided they didn't want to be states anymore or whatever so she has she she has knowledge that slavery is no longer a thing in America. She knows that it has been abolished. She's very good friends with a prominent black doctor who to me makes sense that they are such good friends because they're, they're kind of like the outcasts. Yeah, they're yeah. both the outcasts in the oh, situation. Tying jumping to Grey's Anatomy real quick, I noticed that so Meredith's mom and then um the chief 
Oh guy, yeah, their they relationship. Were, they were like the only woman and the only black man in their medical school, except they ended up also like having a sexual relationship. But I was just, I thought of that too. Like Claire and Joe were the only black man and the only woman in their medical group. And it just reminded me. And then Claire had a daughter at home, just like Meredith's mom. I don't know, I, anyone who likes Grey's Anatomy and noticed that parallel. <laughs> I watched the first 47 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> And then they started just going off the rails and it got too much for me. But kind of just still drawing like the parallel to to the idea of race in that time. Like Claire is very good friends with Joe. Like they are they're close, obviously. Like they are basically best friends. And the fact that she has to watch these slaves on this plantation and everyone is telling her like you can't do anything about it. And she is just being this like kind of white savior and saying, well, I I want to do something about it. I want to do something about it. And then really all the impact that they have is that they, you know, they buy a slave and then free him. And it's like, so first of all, you're actively participating in the thing that is. To be fair, that was kind of an accident. Which I get. <laughs> yes. That, that part of it, it was an accident. They, but the fact that you could accidentally purchase another human being, human being. like that is the depth of the problem. Whoops, like, I just bought I have, a human. I have accidentally bought two bottles of shampoo before. I've never accidentally bought a human being. They they were very combative about it. I think that they in the show highlighted that particular moment almost to placate like the racial tension that uh, that was obvious during that time it's a little disappointing that later when they're at Fraser's Fraser's Ridge they don't go into it a little like any further they don't really talk about slavery any further they focus more on like the indigenous people which clearly they have a story to be told as well they deserved so much more than what was ever done to them. They did kind of interact with the indigenous people more. I mean, they were like out in the middle of the woods and there was a bear and then there were natives and then they were like, what do we do? And and a whole thing happened. Jamie killed a bear. The natives are like, oh, you're a bear killer. And then they become friends. <laughs> See, and and that to me, it's like, I actually kind of liked their their interpretation of the racial relations with indigenous people because Jamie comes from a place where he's dealt with people who are outsiders his whole life and now he's the outsider and so he's really trying to come into it with a perspective of like I want to respect these people who live here because and he clearly like I mean he tried he shows Ian where the lines are drawn he he says you know you do not go into these people's lands you do not do this in this in this person's land you or not Ian sorry his son Willie yeah, Willie. Yeah, because Willie comes. <laughs> Lauren John is there again. I'm like, wait, is it? Oh, no, Ian's not his son. <laughs> no, Ian's not a son. He's kind of his son, but he. Everyone is his son. Everyone is. <laughs> we are all Jamie's. We are all the children of Jamie. I swear we should just start a church where Jamie is our Lord and Savior. Um, but not to, not to just, you know, say, hey, this white male protagonist is our Lord and Savior on a feminist <laughs> podcast. But I mean, I just think that the depth of his interaction and then Claire's in return as well, like Claire really does what she absolutely can to like try to respect these people and to try to, because again, she also knows what happens. Like she knows mm-hmm. the context. And as even as 
as non-woke as the context of education on African Americans, Black people in America, people of color, the indigenous populations, like as non-woke as education was back then, she still sees and says, I understand that this is the direction that we should have headed a long time ago. And she's still progressive enough to say, I have to respect these people because I know over time they will not be respected. And as much as that does play into like kind of the white savior narrative, I think with Jamie, it's done a little bit better because he is coming from it fully from a place of respect. And it makes a lot of sense in his character's decisions. Not that it doesn't with Claire either. Again, one of her best friends is a, is a black man, but I think it just makes a lot of sense that he goes out of his way to respect these people despite others trying so fervently to say nobody cares about these people like they they're just here on the land they're just a nuisance they're just you know another animal that we have to come across in the woods so they very much downplay the idea of slavery in the show I know that the story itself is not written to be a savior like a slavery emancipation story so they are just kind of going along with it i just it's one of those wishes that i just they could just change everything all at once like i just wish that they could like emancipate slaves and make it happen long before even the american revolution happens it's like like keep us or keep people from literally like cheating the indians out of their land over and over and over and And over and over and then giving them like hot small packs blankets and oh my god I'm just amazed that there are still, like, indigenous people living in this country because it seems like white people did everything in their power to kill them off. We really, like, white people really fucking tried. Like, they really fucking tried. And we're still trying by, like, having no social supports for them so that, like, people are killing themselves either through suicide or alcoholism or poor health care, domestic violence with no resources, like... Missing and missing and murdered indigenous women. I mean, like, just the fact that that many women go unnoticed even like untalked about unnoticed it's like and and not to kind of like bring it kind of back into what i've been ranting about on my facebook page the past few weeks which is that black lives matter and we need to understand this as a population that we marginalize these people for so fucking long that like we need to step back like we need to take a step down and allow black voices to matter and allow black lives to matter because guess what like we fucking hurt these people for generations and not to like kind of circle it and all it, back to that. It's not just a southern problem. Like Chicago oh redlining, no. like like, like literally Kenosha go- right now. Like oh my god! And then it, Minneapolis, like oh he might have used a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. Better kill him. Like, yeah. What? Like it. The two things that stick out to me most, like that I keep trying to repeat over and over again, is like number one, police officers are not supposed to kill guilty people either. It is protect and serve, not judge, jury, and executioner. And second of all, there was a recent post, I think it was on Facebook, it might have been on my Tumblr, but it's a a picture of a woman holding a white woman wearing a mask at a protest, holding up a sign that says, if someone murdered my child who was just going to get Skittles, who was just driving home, who was just sleeping in bed, who was going for a run, I'd burn the whole fucking city down too. And I'm like, 
exactly like this is the narrative that has been pushed for so long and i think i'm we just we have gone off the rails at this point this is no longer a feminist episode of a feminist podcast i guess at this point we could even like but like i was literally like at a bonfire and like because um lining kugels is getting rid of their like indian maiden logo which like whatever honestly i don't i like lineys a lot the logo looked pretty cool but like i don't give a shit it's a beer company they can do whatever they want with their logo but like some of the people i was with are from chippewa falls and i think there was a bit more of like because that's what they grew up with so they don't Mm -hmm. like that that's changing but then we got on the topic of indian mascots in general and people dressing up like indians and i'm like honestly it's the same thing as blackface and someone was like no it's not and then someone else said well on the reservations they have indian mascots and i'm like Oh, cool, cool. They're Indians. I feel like they have the right to use They're entitled to their own their culture. Like, but you can't just like have a bunch of white people calling themselves Indians and going, why don't we just throw the blackface on while we're at it? Well, it's not the same thing. No, it actually is the same thing. It's You're just- cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. It is taking a person's cultural identity and turning it into a costume. Or like taking even their race in a way. I think like we also have had this narrative pushed of like black people are equal, which is true, but we forget to push the narrative that in native indigenous peoples are human too. They aren't just a, a thing of the past. And I think a lot of people have that disconnect where they just forget that indigenous people are still alive and are human. They're here. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. They're and everywhere. A lot of people There's some in like, Congress. Like, and there should be fucking more in Congress because they were here first. People keep forgetting about them. They're like, oh, Indians didn't like Pocahontas, you mean? Like, are they still oh around? God. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Of course they're Seriously. still around. Mm-hmm. They still live here. We just push them into these tiny plots of land. And if they want to ever leave and like move to a big city or something, they lose their whole cultural identity that they grew up with. Right. We didn't allow them to just like exist among other people we push them into these tiny little areas and it's like the border wall right now like there was um some people that went to a and i i apologize because i don't know the tribe i don't know what committee they went to i just know that there is a tribe that went to a committee um to appeal to the u.s government to basically say where the parts of the border wall are being constructed there is actual like Indian burial grounds and and Indian lands like these are reservation lands these are lands that cultural culturally indigenous people have claimed as their own because they were here first again just saying that like and it's being ripped apart trying to build a border wall and I'm like you are literally taking every opportunity to destroy and obliterate a person's culture to its very core that you will not even let their dead rest. What the fuck? Like, you don't just get to pick and choose what people are allowed in history. These people lived at a point on this land. They died on this land. They are buried in this land. You are disrespecting their people who are alive today, as well as their ancestors, digging up this land to put up a fucking wall to serve your racist fucking constituents. I'm sorry. They are racists. The people that are in support of this border wall are racists. Also, literally the area that we're trying to keep Mexican people out of used to be fucking part of Mexico. Like, exactly. (laughs) And we we took it from them and now we're like, oh, you, it's just so. We forgot the Alamo, guys. A hundred percent. And this has gone totally off the rails. 
I think that's probably. I a feel good like point some to... of this material either should be put in its own little thing, or maybe just not part of the Claire podcast. But I feel like I want to talk about it. Now. Yeah, I know. I want. Let's just. We accidentally started a new podcast <laughs> while recording an episode of this podcast, guys. So look, look for that in the future. <laughs> but I think that's probably where we're going to end up wrapping it up today, talking about Claire. We did a little bit on Brianna, but I definitely feel like we have enough material that we could probably do another episode on her. Uh, probably even another episode on Claire because to be honest There's we didn't really so we didn't really even talk about it that much. I feel yeah we need to have a few more sessions to just like get it all out there. Yeah. Too. We promise this might be more structured in the future. I say promise and then I say might and right. both of those are debatable. So but anyways, we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, if you like what you hear, please go to our Patreon page. We would definitely like to um, have some kind of monetary support. It's really a lot of our dreams to be able to do this full time for you guys. If you like it, if you don't like it, it's our dreams to do it full time for ourselves. So, <laughs> um, but our Patreon page is up. It's patreon.com slash damsels. And you can go on there and contribute as soon as, um, you know, the, uh, the tiers have been updated. I'm saying this all now, like this episode is going to go live literally the minute we're done recording it. And I'm saying this in the context of right now at like 11 or 12, 12 PM on August 29th. Like, our Patreon has one tier because we haven't even released the show yet. So I guess just, it's kind of hard to like get fans when they can't even hear the material. <laughs> this is not live. And I'm just now realizing that. So I think we're going to end it there. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thank we you. will talk Thank to you. you next time. I want to leave the Craig stuff in so bad. Like, I just want to be like, Craig is now, like, Craig is part of our group. Craig is our Steven. Craig is Craig.